Hey guys, I'm super busy. Sometimes I just feel like I could use a little extra help. Well, would you like someone to help you? Yes, that's what I just said. Okay. How about draw CAD details for you? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Please. How about I don't use CAD. How about Yeah, how about create BIM <laughs> objects for you? Even better, as long as they don't do what we're about to talk about in this episode. Oh. How about writing specs for you? Oh, please, I'm, please write my specs. Yeah. How about if this quote unquote air quotes, we've talked about air quotes podcasting before. Podcasting air could, quotes. Uh, podcasting air quotes could do all of this work for free. Man, I need please. an assistant. Yes. Free? Absolutely. Free. What's the catch? And Well, there is no catch, but this person who will work for free is named RCAT. RCAT is the answer, and they've already done all of this work for you. That is a, Isn't that cool? That's a funny name for a person. It is. It is, but, you know, that's the way it goes. I think we need but, to make a little mascot for our cat. It's like a little cat. Meow. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Maybe a listener like can jump in here. There you go. I know somebody who can sketch really well, but never shares much about what he sketches, though. <laughs> so maybe that person can do something. Well, hey, how about if this person, our cat, you can search their libraries for CAD, BIM, specs, catalogs, videos, and more. And all of this content is created for you free of charge. We mentioned that already. Oh, and no free. registration required. How cool is that? Love it. Don't you... Don't you need something like that, Cormac? Every day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I got it. Our cat, just stop registering on sites for content. Come to our friend, our cat, and then you can find everything you need. I think that's pretty cool, don't you? That sounds like a simple, simple thing to do. Well, hey, why guess what? You, why haven't you done that before? You should be doing that every day. We talk about it on every episode. That's right. It's, and you should know this by now, but get this, guys. So this, our friend, our cat, they have created a website. How cool. No, like, you know, and no blinking, flashing things. It's not what 1990s anymore. you say of? That's right. <laughs> it is devoted to us, the building professional, to find building product information fast and hassle-free. Don't you want that? You want that, Thanks, right? Thanks, our cat. That's right. Thank you very much, RCAT. So make sure you check them out today at ARCAT.com. Say that again. That's A-R-T. No, it's A-R-C. <laughs> the meow screwed me up. The ARCAT.com. Our friends at RCAT, go check them out and thank them for sponsoring this episode of Sarka Speak. I know that RCAT. I, at least I think it stands for like architectural catalog, but could, could it just be augmented reality cat? Oh, the AR cat, mm, oh, the AR cat. I like that. I think that we've got a new idea for bill to go build an app for over there at our cat. Is, is it wrong for me to say that every time I see our cat though, I always think of a really cold little kitten. So Arctic cat. <laughs> we need a sketch for that Cormac. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'll come up with one. Nice. All right. Thanks, Arcat. This episode is also sponsored by BQE Software and their new product, Core. Core? What is Core? Is that like working on your abs? I mean, what's Core? Core revolutionizes the way architects manage projects, time and expenses, billing and accounting, all of those things. 
it's project accounting software that's actually fun to use. And it's made by BQE, the company behind ArchiOffice, so you know it's going to help you manage your office more effectively and efficiently. Core saves you time while giving you the visibility, flexibility, and power you need to grow your firm. You can use Core to work from anywhere, seamlessly collaborate, and gain transformative insights with Core's groundbreaking platform. Now, who wouldn't want that? Want to learn more? Of course you do. Find out more about BQE Core and get a free trial at bqe.com forward slash core. That's C-O-R. And it's not working on abs, so, you know, it just helps you out this with d- your day-to-day. This ad does not help your abs. This episode is also sponsored by HMC Architects. Let's hear what they've got to say this week. Imagine a world where you can explore buildings around the globe, including ones that don't yet exist. A world where you can walk the edges of an under-construction high school in Los Angeles, then toggle over to the emergency department of a new hospital in China. Hi, I'm Chris Grant, Creative Director at HMC Architects. We're using virtual reality as a design tool that allows us to explore architecture in an immersive way from within. From this vantage point, we can experience a project as it was built years in advance, improving collaboration and appreciating the full scale of architecture. In VR, our clients can step inside their project and feel as though they can sit on furniture or reach out and grab a handle. This allows them to react to design decisions as if they were there, driving new questions and decision-making opportunities from within the virtual space. At HMC Architects, we believe that operating as a tech company will not only benefit our clients, but also shape our world and enrich people's lives. To learn more or become part of our story, visit hmcarchitects.com. Welcome to Archispeak, the podcast that talks about what it's like to work in the profession of architecture. Welcome to episode 125 of the Archispeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. So Cormac, uh, in this episode, uh, you're, you're not feeling too good, right? What? what? You want to I'm not explain too good. What's I'm not wrong? feeling too good in any episode, but <laughs> <laughs> well, what 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 especially company. about tonight? What did what did what did what, what Autodesk do to you? <laughs> <laughs> so I got a virus. <laughs> no, so I got yeah, a as, Revit. <laughs> yeah, as 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 everybody can as everybody can tell, I'm. Feeling a little under the weather. There's uh, been a bug going around the office, um, which I thought at one point in time I escaped. It went around the house. You know, all the kids are now back to school. So don't want to start keeping your kids home from school so early in the uh, school year. So they send their kids to school and get sick and bring it home and all that other stuff. And thought I was free of that. But then it went around the uh, office. And of course, I caught it. But what were what you guys were alluding to is something else that was caught. And yeah, this is a was, physical manifestation of this other thing. Yes. So Revit. I was I had a what was I calling it? Um Revitastic Day. 
Uh, so here we are. We were my current project. We are marching toward. We were um, on the fifteenth marching towards a hundred uh, percent DD submission, and it's an important submission. I mean, everybody knows that you know these are kind of important. Uh, sometimes you know we kind of write them off because they're only DD, right? But this particular one, because we are getting ready to do some some interesting things with this particular project we're looking uh, to do off of the DD set, get some input from our CM for design assist type deliveries. Uh, so we're going to have some subs start taking a look at things like our precast panels, our early steel packages and things like that. So it's a pretty important delivery on this particular one because we try, we're trying to get, cram as much information as possible on this DD set for the CM to go out and, and bid it out or not bid it out, you know, in the, in the sense of like a early GMP or anything like that, but just, you know, bid it out to start the process of the design assist. Anyway, what, it, what could go wrong? Everything. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> First thing that happened was, is we get this email in our office that says, you know, hey, uh, you know, everybody, mandatory, everybody has to change to the newest, latest um, AutoCAD 2000, or sorry, uh, Revit 2017 update. So, Oh, that should go really smoothly then. Yeah, of course, because everybody knows that everybody is on the same build. You know, I mean, we, we make damn sure that when we start a project that every consultant's on the same build as we are to make sure that, you know, there is no issues that we have, right? Well, of course we, uh, went ahead and we, uh, did the update, but the problem was, is that when we did the update, not everybody updated at the same time. I don't know if any of you guys have ever run into this or any of the listeners out there have ever run into this where, you continue to work on a project where one person is on one build, one person is on another, and then you can, you start to get the error message of you can't access the central model. Then the central model goes from you can't access it to um, the central. In our particular case, we started to get the good old um, unrecognizable error, which I joke. <laughs> Which I, which I jokingly said, hey, that was my dad's uh, um, nickname for me when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I had to make light of it because... Because uh, it in, sucks. Inside, I was just burning because, you know, here we are. We're literally rushing to the end. We had two weeks to go at the first time this this occurred. And so what happens is this unrecognizable error then turns into a fatal crash. And then the um, entire central model was corrupt. So then okay. we started. All right. yeah. uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. One of the most basic rules. Now, now we're all Apple users here. Is in, and you know, Apple just came out with the new OS for their phones, their computers, you know, Macs, everything. This the the most basic rule is never update in the middle of a project. Well, finish the project first, then do all your updates. And actually, I I made that statement, and they're like, "Well, you know, this is a 
This is a suggested error or a suggested update from AutoCAD, and we really need to make sure that we do it. And, you know, I mean, there are valid reasons for all of this, but the problem was, honestly, that when we started to do all of these updates, we were out, um, we were in uh, Durham at our clients' meetings and stuff like that, and it happened to be that the project we were working on, we were remoting in. Um, one person had a, thankfully, had a um, a detached central model on his um, desktop. And then, you know, there was other people back at the office working on it. Well, okay. so as we're going through all of this, we're trying to, and I'm sure there's somebody out there right now who's saying, well, this was what your problem was, idiot. Or this was, you know, the, well, good. Let them write and, in and, and tell and, us. Yeah, then. please, because honestly, <laughs> I don't want it to happen again. Um, well, you guys kind of found out that what, what well, the culprit was, but no, but it seems no, that like wasn't, you maybe that went wasn't, down the wrong path. No, no, that wasn't the uh, that wasn't this time. This oh, okay. this time the the first time, um, what we think it was was that because we had several different um, people working on it. We had our consultants that were on the old build. We had a couple of people who were trying to synchronize remotely um, into the new central model that was upgraded. And so it just went on and on and on. And there was just a lot of different things that seemed to have manifested in this particular central model that every time we tried to open or restore other um, backups that we had, they would get corrupted as well. Well, it ended up that ultimately at the end of the day, we couldn't find um, anyone that worked. So we used this one guy's um, detached central model that he had on his desktop, which was great for some things, but it was three days old. Hmm. So everybody who was back... How many people were working on this? Seven. So three days... (laughs) Times seven people at eight hours a day. Probably well, more than that at the the deadline. Well, yeah. well, yeah, but I'm just, I'm just, or maybe throwing out, or some, maybe not some basic numbers here. But yeah. wow, that's a lot of work to lose. And my entire cartoon set, um, that I had, like, so I went through, you know, when I when I cartoon a set out, you know, as as we all do, I I went through and I set up all the sheets, but then I marched through the and set up all of the sections. Then I set up all the callouts, and so I'm making them. I'm dropping them on the sheets where they make logical sense of exactly where you know I want to flip and read them and all that other stuff. So even though they were just raw cutouts, um, or or sorry, raw callouts or raw sections or enlarged details or whatever, they were all there on the sheet for us to basically go through. And start, you know, cleaning them up and getting them ready for uh, the the DD set. Lost all of that, and that was just wow. my work. that was just my work. And then we lost everybody else's who was actually doing like real work, um, you know, like modeling things. And uh, and then we were doing like real time changes on the model that we were remoting into while we were, you know, sitting in front of the client, lost all of that. Thankfully, I was making notes on um, a paper copy and other people were making notes on paper copies for us to be able to save 
um, all of that work, or we would have lost all that too, and probably wouldn't have had documentation for it. So that was fine. You know, here we are. We lose those three days, but not only did we lose three three days, but we also lost two days of three days of work of of work that we had already done. And we lost right. two days where nobody was in the model and we were just trying to recover it. So there's five full days of no production lost on a project that we were, you know, trying to chug ahead to get it all done. And then, so we lost that. Fine. Start working, start working. Uh, the 14th of September rolls around and, you know, here it is due midday on the 15th and what happens corruption again unrecognizable error unrecognizable error oh my god wow and so that time you know we're we're everybody's scratching their head what do we do what wrong what do we do wrong well come to find out that in you know i talked to you guys about this over text and everything that there was a some family that was imported in from the manufacturer had bad models or bad families and um it corrupted the model again and we lost a little bit more time but thankfully we were at at a stage well actually what was what was bad is at the time we didn't know what it was and here we are more people were working on it this was that throw everybody that you can try to just go through everything, make sure everything's squared away. And then what do we do? We open up a model. It goes corrupt. We open a model. It's uh, telling us that that one's bad. We went back two weeks. Couldn't find a single model that was, that we could open up and use. And of course, two weeks would have been devastating to roll back basically to back to where we were before we were corrupt the first time. But thankfully, uh, We've got some uh, top-notch people. I'm going to give a shout out to Alex, who was who who just was like a detective. He was the Sherlock Holmes of this thing. Dude uh, stayed up and just read all of the different blogs of all the different people. Who thankfully there's a very active Revit user group out there that they post all sorts of errors and, and how they had solved the problem. And so thankfully, you know, he went through and he started to look at things. Of course, it was the last thing that he did was, oh, go through and audit all of your families. He audited all of his family, you know, all of the families found out that there was a bad credenza. <laughs> Seriously, a bad credenza. Yeah. It was, uh, wow. so there's a lot of late nights pulled by the team that was like absolutely amazing what they, what we've pulled together. You know, the building's looking great. The interiors are looking great. I mean, we had a good pinup today. Um, everybody in our office is liking the direction everything's going. Things are going well, but everything on the surface looks great. It's all of that underlayer of everything that just went, like, corrupt and unrecognizable. What a comedy of errors. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was, a, it was seriously, it was just a pain, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, so what, like, is quick as you can what did you guys learn from this that you're not going to do again or that you're going to change or what what come what came out of this well actually you know the good 
good thing is that we've got a lot of really good Revit people in our office that they went through and they kind of took a look at it because we were getting some errors yesterday. Now that we moved into CDs, we were getting a little, we were getting some errors very sluggishly. Anytime you'd click on something, it would say unable to access central model. Nobody was doing anything in it. Um, come to find out that what one of the things when whoever had set the model up in the first place, um, it's it's suggested by Autodesk to make all of your large imported files, like say if we're bringing in structural model or or whatever else, rather than just to link them in, put each of them on their own individual work set. Mm-hmm. And this is something that we we had done, you know, to make it a little bit more manageable. You're yeah. able to yeah. tog, toggle Turn the work off. sets on and off and stuff. Yeah. And, and thinking about it, thinking about the way that we used to do layer manager back in the CAD days and stuff like that, it, you're like, oh, of course, that makes sense. Yep. Don't know why we didn't do it, but that makes sense. So, you know, there's we've been, thankfully, we're right at point where we're just getting into CDs. So we can take a deep breath, audit the model and then set it up a little bit better. So really it's just manage it well. The two things that we now do when we get a new model from a consultant before we ever put it in our model, I close out of the central model, and then I open that model up in my build of Revit. I audit it, make sure it's all squared away, and again, people are probably thinking, well, you should be doing this anyway. Well, we're not. Damn you. (laughs) <laughs> and now you are <laughs> and now we are yeah. um, you know you uh, well, these it, are really it, important it, it, things it, it to totally, know it really I mean, these are like really that. important things to know and learn right I mean, yeah absolutely it, it absolutely is <laughs> you're forced you know to and, learn, right? and, yeah and <laughs> you're forced to learn it and unfortunately we were learning it at the wrong times you yeah. know at the most critical times when Every time you have a sub, you know, a submittal, and of course here I'm, I'm yelling, I'm just like, you know what? You wouldn't get a corruption in AutoCAD. Like 2D, you're just drawing a line. That's it. That's all you see. Well, there's something to be said about, you know, seven people working in one file. And it's pretty, I, I mean, just to think about, step back and think about that from, from yeah. a technological oh, standpoint. It's pretty freaking amazing that more doesn't go wrong with the amount of data that's in the one model with so many people accessing it and all the synchronization and it's pretty nuts to think about that and i think that's something that you know people who aren't using software in that way or students who don't have to because they're just working on their own project and rhino or revit or whatever it's a whole different ball game when you've got that many people and accessing oh. a model and and then t- merging all the different teams together, all the different models and managing all that process and the information and the warnings and the errors. And there's so many things going on there that it's amazing that, that these projects survive at all. How did architecture get so damn complicated? <laughs> yeah. Well, to be quite honest with you, I mean, think about it. Yeah. Everything that Evan just rattled off sounds complicated, but in a way it's made it a little bit easier because now you're actually the one good thing is that you're actually able to see in real time what somebody else is doing and what changes they're making, what upgrades, you know, what like, you know, development of details and things like that that they're doing that affects your work so that you can actually see it all at the same time and it all rolls together and you can say, Oh, you know, you put in a bulkhead here, you know. Okay, well what what does that mean to what I'm working on? 
um, in those kind of things. And it just, when you're working, when we were working on individual sheets or, you know, even in CAD, when you were doing you're that, just chasing your you, tail then, Hey, you never, you never got to see, you know, what it was, or you had much, much smaller teams. Coordination was I mean, way harder. Yeah. I mean, this is a big project, so you, know, you need more than just one or two people to work on it. And so, uh, the good thing was, is I had the fortune of, um, during we're in kind of just in transition where some kid, you know, some people are coming off of a project that's wrapping up and waiting, uh, get ready to have another project ramp up. Thankfully, uh, you know, they had a couple of like low periods where they could jump in and help me out, which was great, you know, until we lose all of their work. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. I mean, and then there's a whole like backup and you know, the, what do you do between, you know, overnight? with these models so that you have one to go back to if something goes wrong and, or are you relying on someone's detached model on their desktop that just happens to, you know, if, I don't know if you guys have ever heard that, the story about toy story, I think it was toy story two. Um, cause I just recently read creativity Inc. Ed Catmull's book and it, and he's the president of of Pixar and Mm -hmm. that the entire film was was considered lost and somebody had had one that was a few days old on their home computer because she was working at home and she just had to review it at home because she didn't have time to do it at the office you know she was she had a busy life so somehow they pulled it back together and then i think what what was funny was like once they even restored it i was reading up on on Cora online and somebody said what what's weird was like they went through this whole process they restored the film from somebody's home computer and they just used it as is and then like a few weeks later they scrapped that whole film and started over anyway with a whole new story <laughs> oh wow <laughs> but what a what a nightmare to go through and i think it's it's true to say that you only learn these lessons when there's this yeah, epic shit that happens, yeah, right? Some catastrophic, <laughs> fail, catastrophic failure that yeah, happens. Repetosis. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I always told my students, and I, I'm sure I've said this on here before, but you know, the printer runs out of ink when the projects do, and right, yeah. and that's when the computer crashes, and that's when you can't get on the internet, and that's when blah blah blah. I mean, that's when Cormac, like your hard drive fills up and fails, right? I mean, we've had this happen <laughs> when we're ready to record, Le- right? Yeah, right when it's time to record, you know. For, for those of you who are wondering a little bit more, uh, um, taking a peek into the kitchen, you know, when we, uh, last, last one I kept, uh, Skype kept booting me off because I didn't realize that my hard drive was full. And so we were texting back and forth and they're like, you know, uh, delete stuff off your computer. And so I'm, you know, furiously deleting things. <laughs> delete more. To, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know. Connect and then disconnect, connect then disconnect, and stuff like that. So it was, uh, it was pretty funny. Um, but that's totally when it, things you know, go wrong. Is is totally, in the moment yeah. where you need it the most, and it's like that's exactly what's happening here. You know, it, the DD submittal is due, and the Revit model shits the bed. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, so now you're so sick, was a, and uh, yeah, because so of because I'm of sick. Revit. Uh, it was just a, uh, you know, poor handling, poor handling of myself. Well, it's, it's you all know, that we stress just... and it's all of the germs going around and all the people. And what what's really crazy to me about that whole scenario is it really shows how dedicated people are, right? To solve yeah. the problem yes. and to get in there oh, and get, gosh. roll up their sleeves, get their hands dirty, figure that well, crap out and, and 
read and read and read and try and try and try and and it's pretty awesome. I mean that you guys would still be looking for a pro, for the the answer if if you didn't have people yeah. so dedicated to get in there and and dig oh. out the the final solution. I'll tell you another little funny story. So after Alex finds the finds this problem, is able to restore the model. It was a little bit older model, but fine. That that's fine. It was just a few hours old. It wasn't a week old or two weeks old like we were fearing. So, you know, everybody still had work to do to finish up, you know, the last little touches. You know, it's it's not done until um you click print. So we're I logged on at three AM from my house to start working on some some stuff that I needed to work on. And right as I was logging on, another um, one of the team members, she was logging off. And so it was just, it was, we, it was like a call center. I mean, we were 24-7 on that thing. Yeah. Um, Emergency was triage, just, yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, so everybody was just putting in all the hours and surprising that everybody isn't just sick as a dog on this thing just but you know it's just kind of the nature of the beast of sometimes that's what we do in architecture right yeah yeah it's not like we plan those these things it's not like we wanted to do all this extra effort and time and stuff but sometimes things happen yeah well i i wanted to to talk about this thing that it's funny. I was. It's happened to me today, but I was thinking about this topic. Um, it's come up in a couple other books that I've read this year, and it's just like the idea of flow. Um, and I've heard people around the office mention it. Um, some friends of mine who you know we, we go rock climbing together, um, and it, and it's like this idea of you guys know from sports, right? It's like the zone when you're in the zone, and. Uh, and I thought it was an interesting topic because it happens in creative endeavors, but I think it, it happens in a lot of things that we could relate to, um, or we've seen people perform this way. And I think this kind of happens in these Recently, yeah. yeah, in these kinds of incidents. Like even today, I was feeling this because I was under like immense pressure to get our proposal for our AIA talk in by six o'clock, and it was like five forty-five, you know, and it's like it's pretty amazing what you can accomplish when you're in the zone. Right. And so that to me, I think is what's so interesting is if we can learn to kind of harness that and make it happen when we need it. Um, because it's a pretty trippy kind of hypnotic state that you go into when you are just going through this sense of flow. I mean, you're, you're just doing yeah. things. It, it's like when you drive to work and you don't know how you got there. Right. Like that, <laughs> that happens. Yeah. Right. And it is because your subconscious is taking care of so much. And it's because you have so much expertise in the thing that you're doing that allows you to get into that state. I mean, it's, it, it has to be, I, I was doing a little bit more research into this and it has to be a thing where you are, it, it's, it's like two notches above your level, but it's not so hard or, or so easy that you're either not uh, you're not going to be able to do it, like quit out of frustration. But if it's too easy, like you just won't get into that state of flow. Um, and so I think it's kind of an interesting thing because we've all seen it and hopefully we've all felt it, but, um, it's just, I was actually watching this mountain biking video the other day and this is what kind of brought it up into my, into the forefront of my mind was I was watching this like recap of the downhill season on Red Bull 
and and the, they just started out this video with this quote, and I thought I didn't know what they where they were going with it, but as soon as they started speaking these words, I knew what they were talking about. So here's what they said: They said it's a destination that everyone is looking for. You find it at the crossroads of challenge and skill. Focus produces clarity. Clarity leads to the zone. And the paradox of flow is that it only exists in the now. And you only know you were here once it's gone. And so I I think what's super interesting about that is this is, you know, a lot of people meditate to find this state of nowness, right? You're in the moment. And it happens in creativity. It happens in sports. It happens, you know, you watch Jimi Hendrix play guitar. I mean, he was like always in the zone, right? It's it's those kinds of events where you notice that it happens. And I just wanted to kind of, I, I imagine for you, Neil, it's like when you're running, you, you kind of get into this state where you can't even explain what's going on, but you're just performing, you know? Do you guys relate yeah, to that at all? Uh, I think you're right about the running part. I just went out this past weekend and did 16 miles just actually by just by myself because some other, I couldn't do it with the group on on our regular time and if you were to ask me what I did what happened you know beyond maybe what I saw I I, I almost couldn't tell you right because I'm just I'm just going yeah. and I just keep going yeah. and, and and you've yeah, trained so, so much and you've done th- yeah. the running right <laughs> so much yeah you don't right. even have to think about it, and and you're That's, performing, and you're you're. It's not like you're running slower or you're running fast. You're just running just right. Your body is just doing the thing that it knows how to do because it's done it so much. And you get this. They call it a highly focused mental state. Um, and what I think is so interesting about that is like you come out of it at the other side, and you're like, you only knew you were in it once it's over. Yeah, I I can I can see that. I think it's also true sometimes when maybe designing or just drafting or working on a project or even just replying to clients' emails and things, just writing out what needs to be said in just such a way that works. Yeah. Yep. And you don't know how you did it, but when you when you finish and you read it and you went, oh, yeah, that, that that's good. Yeah. How did I do that? Yeah. I don't know. And I think it's, what's interesting is it's really an enjoyable thing, uh, even though you're working pretty hard, you know? So it's not like you can only say that you can enjoy things that are fun or play, right? But, like, you can do some serious work and and really feel satisfied by doing it when you're in the zone. I mean, yeah. I and I really am coming at this from a design angle. Like, when I am being the most creative once my subconscious is kind of cranked on something so much that I'm ready to spit it out. And I physically don't even know when that's going to happen, but when it happens, it's an amazing thing. And I want to learn how to harness that more and have it happen more often. Yeah. Maybe you need to meditate in the morning before you go to work. Yeah. (laughs) You need to get some headspace. Actually, it's uh, interesting is in, I don't know if this is flow or not it, it it could be it sounds like it might have been but prior to all the catastrophe that happened you know we've been cranking on getting this done i mean i took over this project from another guy who had uh moved his family cross country but uh he left me 
um, quite a project. It was, I mean, it was in a good state and, and it was, it needed to keep on keeping on. And, you Inherited know, plus, is awesome, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And, and plus I had it, plus I needed to get into the project that I knew nothing about and make sure that the project didn't miss a beat. Just keep on moving through because I've been in this position many, many times, you know, I completely immersed myself in this entire project, uh, trying to figure out the, um, the university standards, making sure, you know, learning all of the people who are on the project, what their roles are, you know, what their scopes are, everything. And so I'd been more or less kind of in this zone for about a month. And as we were cranking through and before we got to, you know, kind of a first de deliverable, you know, normally we, bunch of guys in the office just go and grab lunch actually at the Under Armour cafeteria. It's just a time to at least get out of the office and somewhat decompress, but I hadn't been going with them because I've just been sitting at my desk kind of going and going and going. And literally like at the end of all of this, like a month later, they're like, dude, you've been completely just workaholic. And it and it wasn't necessarily that it was I was so yes in the zone yeah it's like an intense that, that intense focus right? and and here's the thing is that I got so much work accomplished but I can't remember a damn thing I did yeah. <laughs> I mean I was just so I mean things were getting done I was you know doing what I needed to do and everything was moving forward and I mean I I couldn't tell if I was coming or going but I just I was doing yeah. And that was it. Yeah, it's interesting because it's. And I mean, you probably experienced it when, whenever you do have like the the catastrophe that you were talking about earlier, when you have to redo work. Yeah, yeah. How much faster does it go that second time that you have to do it compared to the first time? Like the first time, it's a struggle, right? The second time, it's it's not that you even do it in half time. It's like you do it in quarter time. I mean, it's so right. much faster because you've already done it. And I guess that's where that kind of that expertise comes into play. And then you just crank it out. Like you, you're not even doing a discovery process or a creative process. Like you're, you're redoing work. Everybody's lost a term paper or has lost a drawing that they had to redraw. Um, and, and you, you do it again and it's so much faster because you, you just, you know exactly what you need to execute on. You know, it's, sometimes it's so much better because the second time you're rethinking a little bit more, it's like, okay, I've done this, and I know what I did, but was that right? Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> so you, you you focus a little bit, and you're like, okay, well, you know, yeah, here here's what I did. Here's what I can do better on it. And it kind of gives you somewhat of a, a second chance to be able to get, you know, that second pair of eyes on it. And even though it's your own eyes, you're you're still – looking at it a little bit differently and you're like, Hmm, okay, I could have done this a little bit better. Maybe this door should have been pushed over here rather than there. And, Oh yeah, doesn't this look right? And, you know, sometimes they're like, Oh my God, you're making more changes and stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, at the end of the day though, those changes hopefully are going to make a better user experience. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like a second draft on a paper you write. Yeah. Yeah, I think right. a lot of times you could yeah. you could completely throw that first draft away, not even edit it, and write a second one that's ten times better. Yeah, real real time editing, you know. Yeah, yeah. not the way you want to do it though. Well, maybe it, yeah, it just crash. depends. I mean, it, I think it depends how how good and how much you can trust this mental state that you get into. I think if it's something that you 
can depend on because you've kind of cultivated it. Uh, and that's kind of what I'm interested in, I guess, is is how do we create our environments that we work in to make this happen uh, and make it something that um, increases productivity and satisfaction at work? I mean, how do you oh. – because it, it definitely benefits – the place Hopefully you work not at panic. when it happens. No, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> not through not through viruses and hacking. But but it's like yeah. how it it seems interesting to me as a space maker and designer that we actually could have an effect on this. And especially working in architecture offices that specialize in this kind of thing and recognizing this as a psychological reality that that is there's at least 30 years of science and study in this that not, you know, I wish more people knew about it, but it's, it's one of these things where I feel like we really could affect this and reap the benefits from it. And so how could we, and it's just some esoteric thoughts, but it's like, how do we actually take advantage of these states and help people get into them so that it happens more often instead, you know, it's like how many hours a day do people in any, industry out there really work. They're at work for eight hours, but how much work do, does the company actually get out of those people? It's not eight hours, right? And and But no. we know that if you are in this state of flow, like I felt today, like I felt like I did four or five hours of work in two hours at the very end of the day. And I one thing that's interesting to me about this whole thing is... Um, how did you build that time? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no, that's not the most interesting part. I, 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 I think that... what. What's interesting is if we kind of track it about ourselves and track why it was that, like, try to actually analyze it, figure out, like, where were you sitting when it happened? What were you doing when it happened? Who were you with? Were you alone? Were you with other people? Were you with specific people? Like, and then try to try to just look at these things throughout time. So, like, at the end of the day, like, do a little journal, like, okay. What were the tasks I did today? Now, which ones was I really feeling flow in, if any, right? Some days it's not, it's none. But it's like, okay, then look at it. Where was I? Who was I with? What was I doing? All of those kind of normal things. You could actually probably start to find patterns in it. And I went through an exercise for about three weeks where I tried to notice that. And and some very distinct themes came out of it. It's And it's definitely like the task-based stuff. Um, I, I found myself like, when I was working in my garage, like making something with my hands, I was in that state of flow. And so it's important, I think, to to recognize those things so that like those are the times when you're feeling the happiest, when you, you get through with it and you're just like, man, that was awesome. I want to feel that again because I accomplished a lot. It made me happy. Um, the outcome was amazing. All these things that like that's where you find meaning in what you're doing. And so I feel like if we could actually look at that stuff and look at it on a big, you know, everybody who, who works in our offices or studios and, and just try to figure out what those things are for people, we could totally boost the productivity levels in our office and, and do some amazing work. Well, so how do you think you go about, I mean, you were, you were doing kind of like this, you know, quantitative analysis, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, you were trying to figure out what, what contributed to this flow by just looking at your patterns and stuff? Um, I mean, how do you, how would you like suggest to say me um, doing the same thing of just like sitting back and, and analyzing, you know, how, how, 
So it's it's not too hard. Teach it, me. Yeah. So I think there's. So I was I was reading a book called Designing Your Life, uh, and it's it's a book that originally started out as a class at Stanford, and uh, it's interesting because it's like, how do you actually figure out what you want to do with your life? Um, no matter what, where you're at right now, no matter how old you are, um, still trying to figure it out. Still trying to figure it out, right? And so <laughs> it's like. I'll always be trying to figure this out because yeah. it's never yeah. too late to do to to do anything, and I always want to do something. Like I, I just want to do. I want to do more. I want to experience as much as I can. I, you only get to live once, so it's like here's here's the plan. Here's what you do. You need to do this for about three weeks at, at a minimum. I, I would say you probably could squeak by with two weeks, but it would be better if you had at least three weeks and. Every day after work, and you should only really do this, I think, with with work stuff, unless you want to really like take take your uh, weekend stuff into account. Um, but you know that's that's not what you do every day. So look at what you're doing every day, write it down. Okay, I just go chronologically through the day. Here's what I did, all these things, and then measure um, <clears throat> like three different things. It's it's flow, energy, and engagement. So. Flow is probably going to be like the least hit rate on the whole page, right? Because you, it doesn't happen that often, most likely. But if it does, awesome. Um, and then energy levels, like, okay, when you did this task, how did you feel? Were you into it? Uh, as far as en high energy, low energy, middle of the road energy, and then engagement. Um, were you really into it? Uh, were you really paying attention? Or were you just on autopilot? Um, or were you not interested at all? And so you start to kind of look at these gauges, I guess, for each task that you did. And then it's just easy to like circle a few and say, yep, this one, this one, this one. These were the, the things I got out of today. Do that for a week. And at the end of the week, just kind of go back and write up a summary. Here's how I felt. Because if you wait too long to do this, you'll, you won't remember all this stuff. And the only way that you're actually going to be able to track it is to do this kind of daily, you know, just do it for five days and then do a summary. And then do it for five days and then do another summary. And then do it for five days and do a, a third summary. And then just look at all your summaries and, and, and look for themes. And that's when you really start to identify what the things are that you're doing in your normal day-to-day -day stuff that you should pursue uh, and try to make happen more often. You'll really find out where your strengths are. And I think what's really something that I learned in the past few years was that you should play to your strengths and not try to bolster your weaknesses. Because there's plenty of other people who are amazing at your weaknesses, and they should be able to do that stuff. And so if you're really playing to your strengths and really telling people, here's what I'm good at, there's going to be plenty of other people to round out that picture. And yeah. you're going to make that an amazing team. And so you start to build teams based on what people are good at, and you guys are going to be an A team. I'm kind of glad that you summer, you know, like brought it home to that because, <clears throat> you, you know, you could have, we were looking at it or as I was listening to it, I was like, okay, so this is good for self-awareness, but how does that, you know, maybe, you know, translate to the office environment and, you know, making like your, your project teams better and stuff like that. And, and I like, I, I like that summary. Um, of being able to kind of like look at what everybody's strengths are yeah, and, you know, and then 
I think you will. You will. I think you'll just naturally find somebody will yes. have have a strength that complements your weakness, and be able to kind of like pick up that weakness. And so, rather than you're right, rather than everybody just kind of saying, "Well, what can I do to make my weakness better?" Everybody's Why struggling don't you play to your strength and hating yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like taking that class that you know you hate, and you just have to show up. Uh, it's terrible, right? And when, when all you really yeah. want to do is that class that you really love, I mean, yeah. it's totally what it is. And and so, I learned that from Strengths Finders. It's one of these books that you just kind of go go through, and and you take a test, and it's online, and it kind of tells you you answer a bunch of questions, and it tells you um, what your strengths are. And what's interesting about and this is other level stuff. I mean, normally teams are built upon who's available, right? Right, absolutely. And that is not the right way to build a team. And I'm not saying it's easy to do it this way because it's not. Most people don't do it. But there are well, there are companies who are building teams based on people's strengths, and those teams are kicking butt, right? Because yeah. they, they fill in the gaps that the other people have naturally, normally. Not everybody's awesome at everything. Sorry, you know, that's, that's a lie that everybody's been telling themselves is that I need to be the everything. I need to do it all. Exactly. Um, and, and so like those teams are just going to be kicking, kicking everybody else's butt because they, they're designed to excel in that way. It's, it's interesting to kind of step back and think about this whole thing that we do. It's a, it's a creative, it's a management, it's a leadership. It's a, you got a lot of work to do to hit these deadlines. Yeah. Um, yeah. How can you do it so that you're, Firing on all cylinders, yeah. And that one person doesn't think that they have to do everything or or all of that other stuff. Yeah. Be the savior, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Totally. Well, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting topic, so thanks for uh, thanks for playing along there. No, I loved it. In fact, now I'm trying to – now I'm playing, you know, project manager and like, okay, so how do I – how do I do this? And so – yeah. I think I think there's a. I think I'm I'm gonna click on some of those links that we're gonna have in our show notes. Yeah, I think That's it. Right. I was... It definitely takes some kind of like analytical, like psychological. You got to watch people. You got to and you got to ask a lot of questions. I mean, if you really, I mean, there's there's the whole like self analytics that you can do here. Right. But you right. really need to start watching the people on your teams and talking to them and getting to know them and asking them, and then doing everything you can to create a space that allows flow to happen and allows them to play to their strengths. And so if people work better at certain times of the day on certain topics with certain people, like do everything you can to make that happen. I mean, those are really, it, it, if you break it down, it's pretty simple, but and think about how, but, go ahead. but you've just got to, you've got to like understand people because if you never talk to them and you never find this stuff out, you're just going to continue to do things the way you do them. And who knows what people are thinking. Yeah, but I mean, think about how if you if everybody's kind of working towards their strengths and and everybody's got you know a complementary strength to someone's weakness and and so everybody is playing to their strengths, they're actually going to be they're going to enjoy the project far more. Oh, they're going to want to come to work. Doing, yeah, yeah, they're going to they're going to be doing things that they actually want to do. And and I'll just finish by saying that when you experience those during the day, you go home energized, you do not go home drained. And that's a huge quality of life increase. If you can go home to your family or to your friends and just be like, 
a happy person who loves what they do, that is a game changer, right? I mean, you if you're excited to go to work the next day because you get to do the stuff that you're really good at or very interested in, that's a game changer. I mean, that that's the kind of thing we should all be shooting for. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, do it. So challenge do everybody. It. Get out there and do it. Get in the zone. <laughs> Sounds like a, some kind of like electronics retailer uh, commercial. <laughs> Get in the zone. Right. I, I'm sure there's a commercial out there. Somebody's going to send us. Find a YouTube there, video. There is. It's it's uh, Get in the Zone Auto The Auto Zone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, 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 they're not paying for this episode. That's right. Not sponsored by AutoZone. Well, actually, you know, speaking of our sponsors, we should mention them before we go, right? All right. Sounds good. Sure. All right. Well, first up, we have RCAT. Check out all the features they offer at ARCAT.com. We're also sponsored by Core, powered by BQE. Core revolutionizes the way architects manage projects, time and expenses, billing and accounting. Don't you all want that? Core saves you time while giving you the visibility, flexibility, and power you need to grow your firm. Learn more and get a free trial at bqe.com slash core. Get in the BQE zone. A- <laughs> yeah, that's right. Get into the BQE zone. That's right. The core zone. The core zone. That's it. The core zone. Yes. Uh, and also, thanks to HMC Architects for their support. Get into the HMC zone. That's where you were at, right? That's where I live. That's where you live. That's right. So to learn more or become part of their story with Evan, visit hmcarchitects.com. And do you want more Arcaspeak? Of course you do. Visit arcaspeakpodcast.com where you'll find links to our catalog of episodes. And while there, make sure to sign up for our, our newsletter. By doing so, you'll be notified when an episode goes live and it will include links, like all the books we mentioned tonight, to everything we mentioned in the show's episode. And to stay in contact between episodes, check out our Facebook page or hit us up on Twitter. You can find links to all of those things and all those different accounts at arcaspeakpodcast.com. And remember to tell a friend and say and stay subscribed. And thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a rivetastic day. <laughs> in the zone. <laughs> I join the choir to sing They're all competing for some other thing I join the choir to sing I join the choir to sing They're all competing for some other thing I join the choir to sing
Nation. 